Thanks for tuning in again this week for the message. This week begins a new series titled, I Am Who I Am. Trey starts out teaching on Jesus' statement, I am the bread of life. So let's listen in as we get started with our first installment of this new study. John, chapter 6. Go ahead and be making your way there because I believe that's where God has an assignment for us tonight. From His Word, we're preparing to launch into a new series over the next few weeks that that focuses on seven statements that Jesus made that all started with the same two words, I am. Two words, three letters, that's it. But they hold tremendous meaning in showing us who Jesus is and what he came to do. In the book of Exodus, God had a plan to liberate his people from Egyptian bondage. They'd been slaves to the Egyptians for 400 years. When God came up with a plan of redemption to set his people free. And in so doing, his chosen leader was a man by the name of Moses. And if you were to look in chapter 3 of the book of Exodus, you would see where Moses receives his calling from God as his chosen leader to go and set people free, to set God's people free from the Egyptian ruler Pharaoh. And as God is calling Moses, it happens to him in a weird kind of way. Uh, Moses is out tending the fields one day and he sees this bush and it's on fire, but it's not being burned up. And so as Moses approaches the bush, he hears a voice coming from it and it's the voice of God and he's speaking to Moses and he tells him, Moses, take off your shoes. Because the place where you're standing is holy ground. And so Moses received his calling as God's chosen leader to go and set his people free. And as God's explaining Moses' assignment to him, Moses asks a question. He says, well, God, what if, I, what if I go to them? What if I go to the Israelite people? And see, Moses struggled with inadequacy, just like so many of God's chosen leaders struggle with to this day. And God gave Moses a response to his question Moses asked God, he said, what what happens, God, if if I go to them and I tell them that the God of their fathers has sent me, and they ask me, well, what is his name? What shall I tell them? And God's response to Moses was, I am who I am, which will be the frame by which we set this series up for the next few weeks. And then he said to Moses, Moses, I want you to tell the people that I am has sent you. And so it's who he is. I am, it's it's. God's name, it's his character, and it points to the truth that he is the almighty, self-existent, independent creator and sustainer of the universe, unchanging in his being and character, eternal, everlasting God. But what's awesome about God's name being I am is that it can also be translated I will be. So check this out with me. When I need strength, God's response is I am strength and I will be your strength. When I need mercy, God's response is, I am mercy, and I will be merciful. When I need grace, God's response is, I am grace, and I will be gracious. When I need love, God's response is, I am love, and I will be loving. When I need comfort, God's response is, I am comforting, and I will be your comforter. When I need protection, God's response is, I am protecting, and I will be your protector. Hello? So you know what that tells me? That tells me whatever you need currently or will need at some future point in time is already found in him, the I am. And so now as we come to John's gospel, we see Jesus take these two words and get very specific about who he is. And to set the story up for you, 
where we come at in verse 25 when we get started. Jesus has just performed the miracle of feeding the 5,000. And if you're not familiar with the story, Jesus and his disciples were going from town to town. He was performing miracles and doing mighty great things to testify to the fact that he was indeed the Son of God. And they had multitudes of people following him. And they got hungry one day. And they were asking the disciples for food. Well, they didn't have enough food to feed all these people. And this little boy walks up, and he's got a couple of fish and a few loaves of bread. And Jesus begins to multiply that until he fed everybody. And they had basketfuls left over. So God, through Jesus, has just performed this miracle of feeding multiple, multiple thousands of people. And the next day, Jesus had sent his disciples across the Sea of Galilee to the next city that they were going to witness in. And he had gone up to the mountainside to pray. And overnight, the storm came and hits the disciples' boat. And Jesus comes walking to them on the water and eventually gets on the boat with them, calms the storm, and they go to the other side. And so sunrise is on the next day. And all these people that have been around Jesus the day before and have received a free meal, they got their bellies full, they fell asleep, and they slept good that night. And they woke up the next morning, and Jesus and his disciples are gone. And they're like, where'd he go? And so they begin to look for Jesus. And that's where we pick up the story in John chapter 6, starting at verse 25. It says, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? They didn't know. They saw the disciples get in the boat, but they saw Jesus go up the mountainside. So how in the world did Jesus get to the other side? Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you're seeking me, not because you saw signs, because you ate your fill of the loaves. Well, Jesus calls them on the true reason why they're following him. You're not following me because you believe I'm the Son of God. You just want another free meal. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. And so they said to him, Then what sign do you do, that we may see and believe you? Or what work do you perform? Never mind that he just fed multiple thousands of people with a very, very minuscule amount of food. And now they're asking, Well, what sign do you do, Jesus? Give us a sign. He's like, what more do you people want from me? And I think that's God's response to a lot of us here tonight maybe. What more do you want from me? I've made the path as clear as it can possibly be made. Stop looking for signs and just believe in who I am. Verse 31, they continue. They say, our fathers ate the man in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses. Who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I'm the bread of life. There it is. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. You have a guaranteed promise from Jesus, the Son of God, of salvation if you look to him and believe. It's that simple. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. So now we got the religious people all upset. It's always the religious crowd that gets up in arms when somebody starts trying to do something for the kingdom of God. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? 
Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the man in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. This is the seventh time Jesus has said, came down from heaven. It's just interesting we talked about Jacob last week and God coming down from heaven to stand beside him. It's just curious, don't you think? I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. I am the bread of life. The first I am statement that we encounter in John's gospel is just that. I am the bread of life. And there's a few things, a few simple truths, really, that I think God wants us to see concerning the fact that Jesus is the bread of life and things that we need to know about what that entails and what that means in our life. And so the first thing that I want us to see is that this bread is given as a gift. It's given as a gift. As Jesus is teaching the people, he tells them to work for the food that endures to eternal life. So go back and look in verse 27. He says, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father set his seal, and they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So Jesus is teaching these people, and he tells them to work for the food that endures to eternal life. But for so long, for so long, these people that were following Jesus had been stuck in legalistic obligation. They were consumed by legalistic obligation to God's word. It wasn't by a love relationship that they were following him. It was by a legalistic obligation which some of you may be stuck in tonight. And there's a big difference between a relationship and an obligation. But these people were stuck and consumed by legalistic obligation that they misunderstood what Jesus said. All they heard him say was the word work, or it might be translated labor. And after Jesus said that, they, they shut everything else out. Because that's just human nature. We think we have to work for everything that we earn, but it's not that way with the gift of eternal life. It's given as a gift. Jesus said, work for the food that endures to eternal life. But then he told them right after that, which the Son of Man will do what? Give you. But all they heard was work. And so they misunderstood completely what was being said. They thought that Jesus meant they had to work for their salvation. They thought that their own merit would produce salvation for them. And listen, nothing could be farther from the truth of what Jesus was saying. You cannot work to earn your salvation. There is not a single person in here that deserves the glory of God in your life. There is nothing that you can do. There is no amount of scripture memorization. I don't care how many prayers that you say throughout the course of a day, how many times you're faithful to be in church week after week, or how many times that you think you're sharing Jesus with somebody. It doesn't matter. You're not working your way into heaven. They miss that. And there might be somebody in here that's missing that as well. We have a couple of family pets, one of which is a long-haired dachshund, which I'm not afraid to admit as a man that we have a long-haired weenie dog that stays in the house, and she sleeps in the bed, and she cuddles with me at night, and it's the greatest thing ever. So I don't care if you judge me. I'm fine. 
I'm secure in my masculinity. I got a wife to prove it. So don't look at your judging eyes at me, all right? You guys are going to find out one day you get married, you're going to have a little sissy frou-frou dog run through the house one day too. Ain't that right, Brother Matt? He's got one of his own back there, and her name's Cookie. So at least I just got a good name. Well, we got a long-haired dachshund that stays in the house. Her name's Sadie, and she's smart. We taught her how to do all kinds of cool little tricks. So I got a little clip I want to show you real quick of our dog, Sadie, doing her tricks for you. Sit, shake, down, roll over, stand, good girl. Yeah, isn't that awesome? In the background's our yellow lab, Roman, he's a demon, so. <laughs> Sadie's the angel of the family. Uh, but, but see, here's the deal. She knows, she knows I had the treat in my hand the whole time. And she knows she's not going to get that treat until she obeys all the commands. She knows it won't happen. And so she's obedient. She does everything that I ask her to do because she knows that when she does that, she'll be rewarded. Listen to me. When it comes to relationship with Jesus, he doesn't dangle a morsel of the bread of life out in front of you and say, here you go. What are you going to do for it? All right, let's see it. Let's stand. Let's roll over. Jesus doesn't tempt us with salvation. Jesus does not tempt us with himself. He puts the morsel in his hand. You don't have to do nothing other than walk up. And he says, here you go. But so many people think they have to work their way into heaven. So many people think, well, I've got to get my, right, my life right first before Jesus will accept me. It's not like that. Listen, please hear this tonight. Jesus isn't going to sit there and baby talk. Like, he's not going to get his dog voice out like we, everybody's got their own dog voice, you know. And it's like after she does her trick, she's like, oh, what a good girl. What a good little boy. Jesus doesn't talk like that with us. He doesn't dangle it out there and say, oh, what are you going to do? Let's see you do it. Let's see you see it. Let's see you obey. Let's see you quit that porn addiction. Let's see you quit having premarital sex. Let's see you get your life in order first. No. Lies from the pit of hell. Your life doesn't get straightened up until you give it up. It's a free gift. And Jesus offers himself to us as the bread of life. You don't have to work for it. You definitely don't deserve it. and You can never earn it. You just have to receive it. And these people should have known that already. Why? Because Jesus had just fed them a free meal at no cost the day before. Stop trying to earn what God is giving as a gift. The second thing we see about Jesus being the bread of life is that this bread does just that. It brings life. As the conversation continued between Jesus and the people, they still weren't quite getting it. They were confused still as to what Jesus was saying. And so what often happens when we get confused is that we start to compare. Kind of like in math class. You get confused, you think you got it figured out, and you get the test back, and it's like a D. And the person sitting next to you has got like a 97, so you take your paper and you're looking at the problem and you're looking at theirs and you're like, what in the world? What happened? <laughs> so you begin to compare. Or you just don't care either way and you fail and you try again the next year. But they began trying to compare Jesus as the bread of life to the manna that God provided in the wilderness. Look at it in verse 31. It says, Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. So when God was leading his people through the wilderness... From Egyptian bondage, each morning he would provide for them manna from heaven, which is bread. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. But my father gives you the true bread from heaven, which is Jesus. 
For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. There it is. This bread brings life. And they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. They began trying to compare Jesus with the manna that God provided for them in the wilderness. But that bread was only good for meeting temporal and physical needs. Jesus tells them that he is the true bread. Listen to me. Jesus doesn't merely sustain your life. He gives you life. And some of you, I feel, are wondering, why am I constantly weary and tired? Why am I constantly just low on energy? Why am I constantly struggling to find joy and to maintain my peace? And it might be because you're only feeding on things that merely sustain your life instead of bring you life. If they wanted to focus on the manna, which was nothing more than a type of the true bread to come. And this is how I see Satan working in our world today, men and women. I see him working in the same way. He wants to feed you a type of Jesus. And let me explain what I mean by that. He wants to feed you a type of Jesus in the sense that, oh, Jesus is, here's a Jesus who's okay with me partying every now and then. Oh, here, here's a Jesus who doesn't mind if I have premarital sex. Well, here's a Jesus who, who laughs when I use foul language. We joke around like that sometimes. Or, or here's a Jesus who, because he is full of grace and love and mercy, would never actually send somebody to hell. That's the kind of type of Jesus that Satan wants to sell our world today. But listen to me. There is no type of Jesus. There's only true Jesus. If you look down in verse 49, Jesus explained to them, what happened when you put your faith in types of things instead of the true thing? His response to them was, your fathers ate the man in the wilderness and they died. Uh, no thank you on the types. I'll take the true thing. Just look at what he says in verse 51. I'm the living bread. There's the difference. That came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread brings life eternal life. When you place your faith in him, he brings true life to you. It's what he desires for you to have and experience. Every single one of you. It's what God desires for you to have and to experience. It's why he went to the cross. If you have any doubts in your mind that Jesus wants you to, to, to experience eternal life in him, if you really don't think that's true, look at the rugged cross that he gave his life on. There is no greater Simple. There is no greater testimony of his love for all humanity and his desire for you to experience life with him than that right there. He gave his life so that you could gain life. Do you have it? I am the bread of life. There's one last thing Jesus shows us about this bread. It's that this bread forever fulfills and satisfies. Look back at verse 35. In the second part of the verse, Jesus has already made the claim that I am the bread of life, but look at what he says in part B of the verse. He says, whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Each and every one of us has this deep desire in our soul to be fulfilled and satisfied. Every single one of us. You can deny it if you want to, but every single one of us inside of our soul has this longing for fulfillment and satisfaction. And in our pursuit to satisfy that desire, we often turn to those bread morsels that the world has to offer. And so we attempt to satisfy or fulfill ourselves with sex. We attempt to satisfy or fulfill ourselves with alcohol or with drugs. And if it's not any of those things, we'll, 
Maybe it's kind of in a different arena for you. Maybe you try to find your fulfillment and your satisfaction in social status or popularity. Or maybe you try to find your fulfillment and your satisfaction in fame or in fortune. Or maybe if it's none of those things, maybe you try to find your fulfillment and your satisfaction in the arena of relationships. Or maybe performance. Or maybe you try to find your fulfillment and your satisfaction in success. And so the first time that I experience failure in any of those areas, it leaves me feeling what? Unfulfilled and unsatisfied instantly. And the result is always the same when we try to find our fulfillment and our satisfaction in the bread morsels that the world has to offer. The effects, we're off. Even if you experience temporary satisfaction or temporary fulfillment from any one of those things, sooner or later it's going to wear off. Sooner or later the season of your life will change. And the fulfillment and the satisfaction that you once had in a certain thing will fade away and it will be gone. And you will be left feeling inadequate, unfulfilled, unsatisfied. But can I, can I give you a little bit more good news tonight? Can I do that? Please? Just one bite of Jesus brings eternal fulfillment and satisfaction. Just one bite. And that's how it differs from the things of the world. You can always tell that the bread morsels of the world are unfulfilling and unsatisfying. You know how you can tell? Because people are always going back and repeating the process. It's always the same routine over the weekend. It's always the same mistakes that I make with my boyfriend or my girlfriend. It's always the same feeling that I get after I fail to live up to the expectations that I have set for myself or that the world has set for me. And so we, you constantly have to go back to get another piece and to get another piece and to get another piece and to get another piece. But just one bite, just one bite of Jesus will give you eternal fulfillment and satisfaction. Jesus is the only one that can fully satisfy the spiritual longings of our soul. You know why people try to fulfill their hearts with things of the world? Because there's a God-shaped hole in there that only gets filled by him. And when you try to fill it with anything or anybody else other than him, it's never going to be full. Never. Jesus said, whoever comes to me shall not hunger. He said, I'll take care of it. I'll feed you a meal that's so filling, you won't ever have to worry about finding your fulfillment and your satisfaction in anything or anybody else ever again. Man, that's peace. Some of y'all are dragging some heavy burdens around in your life because you're trying to find fulfillment and satisfaction in something and somebody other than Jesus, and it's burdensome, is it not? Jesus told these people, one of few of the same crowd that followed him later on, he turned around and told them one day, he said, listen, all you who are weak and heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. You know what they were weak and heavy laden from? From trying to live up to the expectations. That's, that's wearisome. Throw that off of you tonight and come to Jesus. Take the bread of life that he's extended towards you and just take a bite. If you don't believe, just try it. Just Please, just try it. By faith, step out and take a bite and see if you won't leave this place feeling a lighter load and having a fulfillment and a satisfaction that you never dreamed of. And he'll continue to fulfill. 
He'll continue to satisfy. It's not just a momentary thing. It's everlasting. (laughs) The psalmist wrote in Psalm chapter 34, I think he put it so adequately, because he said this. He said, oh, taste and see. Taste. The bread of life, taste. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Good. I'm going to shoot y'all straight. Not that I haven't been throughout the duration of the night. This world has nothing for you. Not a thing. I tried to find a way to compare this. Because have we got any bread lovers in here? Just be honest. I love bread. That's why it's a dangerous thing for me to go to like any roadhouse (laughs) or anything like that because they set that tray in front of you of those butter melted biscuits and they bring that cinnamon butter out sometime. I'm like, oh God. Forget the meal, man. Just just like show you got like four of them in your mouth at one time because you don't want anybody else at the table to have any. I love bread. But I don't like all bread. I don't like sun-dried, seven-grain, wheat, nasty, cardboard bread. If any of y'all like that stuff, meet me after the service. We're going to lay hands. We're going to anoint with oil. We're going to pray for healing in your life. I don't like that nasty stuff. But let me ask you this. Have you ever had a King's Hawaiian sweet roll? (laughs) If Ashley ever brings those home, most of the time she'll do like sliders with it. So you better hide the daggum case. Because if I walk in and see them, I'll go to the room and lock the door. (laughs) I'll turn some music on. Dim the lights a little bit. Know, we're getting a little bit weird. Anyway. <laughs> that junk is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. He's not that dried up, nasty wheat junk. Man, he's that King's Hawaiian sweet roll. But I'm telling you, I think some of us have forgotten this. You've forgotten how good that bread of life taste. And you're trying to nibble on some nasty junk from the world. And you know why it leaves such a nasty taste in your mouth? Because you've been used to having that bread of life taste in your mouth. Man, and nothing else compares to that. Taste and see that the Lord is good only in Him. Ladies and gentlemen, will your soul find satisfaction? Man, do you need to take from the bread of life tonight and experience salvation in Jesus? It's just as simple as how he described it to this crowd. All you have to do is come. Come to him and believe in faith. It's that simple. Thanks for listening to the message. 
We hope that you will continue to join us each week as we journey through Jesus' I Am statements. We're trusting that God is going to show us some mighty things about who He is through those two words. So be sure to meet us here again next week.